What up, yo? It's Mark Shannon with the Fantasy Knockout Fantasy Football Show. Today is Saturday, September 12th, episode number 117. Real quick, you can follow the show. We're on Twitter at Fantasy Knockout, and we're on Instagram.com slash Fantasy underscore Knockout. Follow us on social media there. I'm excited for today's show because it is the week one start sit. Football is back. Who are we feeling confident about this week? Who are we worried about? We'll talk about that later on in the show. But first, we got that Thursday night recap. And the season starts off with a decent game between the Texans and the Chiefs. It seemed like we've kind of seen this 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 matchup before, you know, like the 2019 AFC division game. You know, Houston starts off pretty strong, scores first, then Kansas City does what they do best, put up some bunch of points, and the game kind of was over by halftime. Um, you know, Watson was able to pad his stats with some garbage time points in the fourth quarter, you know, and Kansas City ends up winning uh, 34-20. to My MVP fantasy-wise was CEH, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie. Uh, you know, he had 25 carries for 138 yards and a touchdown, and, and they were trying real hard to get him that second touchdown. You know, he had no receiving work, which was kind of odd. I would have thought maybe they'd throw one screen or something like that to him, but they didn't. You know, and he ended up with 19.8 fantasy points, so that was pretty pretty good for his uh, first game. You know, and he, he kind of reminded me of a Ray Rice or like an MJD, just that short, little, round, but very quick and fast kind of running back. So um, some other notable stats for the players you know Mahomes had a good game he went 211 passing yards for three touchdowns uh, the touchdown saved him you know he had 20 and a half points Watson had a good game 253 passing yards only one touchdown one passing touchdown one interception but he ran a little bit 27 rushing yards one rushing touchdown for 21.82 points um, Tyreek Hill saved you at the end you know five receptions 46 yards one touchdown for 13 and 13.10 points Kelsey had a good game, six receptions, 50 yards in the touchdown, 14 points. Watkins, of course, always starts out strong week one, seven receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown for 18 points. You know, David Johnson on the other side, he had a good one. He was the first one to score. Um, you know, he had a 77 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, three receptions for 32 yards for 18.4 points. And Will Fuller, eight receptions, 112 yards, it's no touchdowns, but, you know, he ended up with 15.2 points. So all in all, that was a pretty good Thursday night game. You looking for some rankings? I got them for you. Check out the website, fantasyknockout.com. If I didn't talk about a specific player you were hoping I was going to in today's show, hit me up on the website. Ask a question. Ask a question on there. Submit that. I'll be happy to answer it for you. Get those questions in. Again, fantasyknockout.com. Let's talk some news. News with views. All right, so running back Kareem Hunt out of the Cleveland Browns, he signs a two-year extension for $13.25 million. So that is good news for him. Uh, takes a little hit on the uh, Nick Chubb news, but I still think they're going to run both these backs pretty good. I think Chubb is the number one there. It's not a 1A, 1B. It's He's the number one. They will use Hunt as well. Uh, next is wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins out of Arizona. He signs a two-year extension for $54.5 million, so they lock him up, 
long-term there in Arizona, which is great. Helped Kyler Murray out. Uh, wide receiver Cortland Sutton out of Denver. He suffered an apparent shoulder injury during practice on, th- on Thursday. Um, he did get an MRI, and it was it came back like negative or it, Basically, he was diagnosed with a sprained right AC joint. So he is like day to day. Not sure if he will suit up. I think we'll go over that in the in and out. Then running back Divina Zigbo of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got the hamstring injury. He was placed on the team's injured list. Uh, this means running back James Robinson and Chris Thompson are the best backs there to own in Jacksonville. And then here's some interesting news. You got the Arizona and San Francisco game. Um the deteriorating air quality in Santa Clara, California could force the 49ers to postpone Sunday's game uh, due to all the fires, you know, going on in California. Um, the air quality index threshold for the league to cancel practices or even postpone a game is set at 200. Well, Friday, the index stood at 194. So it is real close. It is right there. Uh, hopefully they don't postpone it. Hopefully they're able to play or hopefully they can move it to a different venue and you know i don't know move it to arizona or something like that see if they could play there and then swap swap the schedule or whatever uh so running back tevin coleman of the niners his coach kyle shanahan said it would be up to coleman for his choice it would be his choice to sit week one because of the air quality you know it could be bad for him um Basically, they say when the index is above 150, it can be harmful to people with pre-existing conditions. And Coleman has such that he sat out practice Friday because of his pre-existing sickle cell trait. So it it's going to be a game time decision, I guess, for Coleman. Um, otherwise, you might want to stash Jarek McKinnon. He's definitely worth a pickup and hold right now. See what happens. What's spreading quick and makes you sick, infecting everyone? Corona, Corona, the virus infecting us all. Some COVID news, Keyshawn Johnson from Arizona. He's a wide receiver. He was placed on the COVID list. Dwayne Washington, the running back out of New Orleans, he's still on the list. And Brykewell Armstead, the running back in Jacksonville, he's, again, still on the COVID list. There's just three players right now. In and out. (laughs) All right, so we're going to start with some running backs. David Montgomery out of Chicago. He's got the groin injury. I'm saying he's going to be in. He's going to play. He is definitely flex-worthy. Um, if he's your RB2, hey, you might want to try and hopefully you have something different than that because I don't expect a good or a great game from him. Uh, next, Miles Sanders running back out of Philadelphia. He's got the hamstring injury similar to David Montgomery. He's going to be in. I would start him in my flex if you really had to. Hopefully you have other options. Kenyon Drake out of Arizona, he had the foot injury. He's good to go. He's going to be in. He's a start. I'd play him, no doubt. Uh, DeAndre Swift out of Detroit, he's got that hip issue. He's going to be in. Um, I would just sit him because of Adrian Peterson and Kerryon Johnson and why I'd want to see how that backfield plays out before I can trust Swift. Um, Then Daryl Henderson out of the Rams, he's got the hamstring injury. He's going to be in. They're saying he's going to play. I'd still sit him. I would start Cam Akers um, out of any of the backs there. If you're in a, if you need a sneaky start, uh, Malcolm Brown as well. Uh, tight ends, Mike Gesicki out of Miami. He's had a glute injury. Um, he's going to be in. I'd start him. I'd play him if you waited on tight end in your draft. Also, TJ Hawkinson out of Detroit. He has had the ankle injury. I think he's going to be in. He uh, 
but I would sit him. I wouldn't necessarily play him unless you had to. All right, some wideouts. Some big-name wideouts here. Kenny Galladay out of Detroit. He's got a hamstring injury. Um, he's listed as questionable right now or doubtful. He is out. I would not trust him playing. Um, even with this kind of injury, I don't see him having a big game, even if he does play. So I would find a different option. Also, Mike Evans out of Tampa Bay, he's had this hamstring injury as well, and I think he's going to miss. I think he's going to be out. Um, A.J. Green out of Cincinnati, he's had a hamstring injury as well. He's in. He's 100%. I'd start A.J. Green if I have him. Uh, Devontae Parker out of Miami. Again, a lot of hamstring injuries here. He's in. I think he's going to play. You can start him. Golden Tate, hamstring again. Uh, he's out of the, the Giants. Um I think he's going to be in, but I would sit him. I wouldn't necessarily start him in my lineup week one yet. Uh, Cortland Sutton, we talked about him earlier, how he's got that shoulder injury. He's out of Denver. Um, I'm gonna, I don't think he plays. I think he's out. I think he's going to miss. Um, if he does a flex, maybe, I, would, I don't want to trust him just yet week one with something like that. These injuries just scare me. Jarvis Landry out of Cleveland. He's got the hip issue. He's in. He, I'd play him in my flex if I got him. Brandon Ayuk out of San Francisco. He's got a hamstring injury. Um, he's going to be in, but I would sit him. I don't start him yet. It's too early to trust to see who Jimmy G goes to. Uh, Debo Samuel, his other receiver there in San Francisco, he's got the foot issue. I think he's going to miss, um, and I would sit him anyways because he's going to miss. Or I, I just don't trust him yet. I want to see him uh, play a game or at least two games probably in my book or in my eyes. Uh, Denzel Mims out of the Jets. He's got the hamstring injury. I think he's going to miss. I think he's out. So sit him. Jalen Rager in Philly, dealing with that shoulder injury. He's going to be in. I'd still sit him. I don't trust him yet. Uh, Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh. He's got the foot issue. He's in. I'd start Deontay Johnson. I'd like to see. I think him him and Big Ben will do really well this year. So hopefully um, that connection is there strong and early on. Uh, Mike Williams out of the Chargers. His shoulder issue. I think he's out. Sit him. Alshon Jeffrey out of Philly. He's got the foot issue. He's out. Not even going to play. And then Brian Edwards out of the Raiders. He popped up with a knee injury. He's going to be in, but I would start. I would not start him. I would sit him. Don't play Edwards just yet. See what they have there. I know it is a prime matchup, but you should have way more wide receiver depth on your team that you would feel more comfortable than starting Brian Edwards, uh, you know, week one. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Main event. All right, so we got a good slate of like nine games Sunday morning, three in the afternoon. We got the Sunday night game, Dallas and the Rams. And then we got two on Monday night, Pittsburgh Giants and Tennessee and Denver. So those would be good games. Let's talk some start-sit players, players that we would put in our, in our flex or guys that we just might be questioning, do we play them or not? So let's start off with some quarterbacks. I got three guys I am going to start. Jared Goff of the Los Angeles Rams. If you were to go through Goff's games where he had great success last year, you'd noticed a trend. The Cardinals twice, who were the 32nd ranked defense. The Falcons were 25th. The Bengals, the 27th. The Bucks, the 23rd. These were teams that he had his best games against. Where did the Cowboys rank? They ranked 13th. We saw Goff drop back a massive 51 times against them in Week 15 last year, where he completed 33 passes for 284 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. This game is likely to be very fast-paced, 
just as the game last year was when the teams combined for a massive 142 plays. It was a common theme. As both teams ranked inside the top six in total plays per game, the Cowboys defense did lose their best cornerback, Byron Jones, this offseason, as well as edge rusher Robert Quinn and interior lineman Malik Collins. Knowing how many pass attempts Goff had their last meeting when the Cowboys ran all over them should make you feel better about his floor. Uh, Though the concern is that Goff has only been producing against bottom 12 defenses, are the Cowboys that? We'll see. But I'd consider Goff as a solid quarterback who has appeal with a high play volume. My next quarterback is Cam Newton of the New England Patriots. There are a lot of question marks surrounding the former NFL MVP. Not only did he have multiple surgeries and is starting over in a new offense, but he's now 31 years old and might lose some of his mobility that made him so valuable in fantasy football. The Dolphins, as his first opponent, should be interesting. As they're a team with many changes on the defensive side of the ball, oddly enough, most of those changes include former Patriots. So, on top of that, Brian Flores is their head coach, who knows Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels all too well. In two games against the Dolphins last year, Tom Brady threw for 485 yards and four touchdowns. So it wasn't like they couldn't game plan efficiently against Flores' defense. Uh, Knowing the Patriots' running back situation is questionable at the best. They're likely going to lean on Newton a bit more than they'd like to in Week 1. The Dolphins did allow a league-high 39 passing touchdowns last year. Josh Allen crushed this defense for 256 passing yards and three touchdowns whom is often comped to Cam Newton. While rushing for 56 yards and a touchdown, Newton has many variables, but he should produce low-end quarterback one slash high-end quarterback two numbers. My next starting quarterback is Kyler Murray out of Arizona. It's hard to fully trust Murray after closing out the season on a low note, as he didn't top 16.36 fantasy points in each of his last five games. But Murray had two of his best games against the 49ers defense. Odd, right? In those two games against them, he completed 41 of 57 passes for 391 yards and four touchdowns, while rushing for 101 yards and a touchdown. And that was before he had DeAndre Hopkins added to his stable of receivers. The 49ers aren't the same team either. We watched Richard Sherman wear down during the playoffs, who's 32 years old now. And then they traded away interior lineman DeForest Buckner to the Colts. So don't get me wrong, they're still going to be a very good defense. Knowing they've had a while to game plan for this game, I'm guessing Cliff Kingsbury will have a few design runs for the healthy Murray. And it's not a great matchup, but it might fit Murray's strengths enough to get by. So consider him a low-end quarterback one this week. All right, quarterbacks to sit, guys that I don't like their matchups this week. We're going to start off with Kurt Cousins out of the Minnesota Vikings. He's had tremendous success against the Packers pre-Matt LaFleur. But what happened in 2019? He played two games games against them, completing just 30 out of 63 passes. That's 47.6% for 352 yards and two touchdowns. His completion rate against the rest of the league was 72.7%. So there was clearly an issue. I don't think losing Stephon Diggs in the offense is going to help him much. As his replacement, Justin Jefferson, 
He missed uh, most of training camp on the COVID list. The Packers didn't lose anyone of note on their defense this offseason. If the Vikings are smart, they'll lean heavily on the run game this week, similar to the way they did last year. Cousins should be considered a low upside quarterback too. Next is Daniel Jones of the New York Football Giants. Some will tell you that Jones is a breakout candidate due to the flashes he showed last year. But the reason I advocated to draft someone else is due to the matchup that started his season. The Steelers allowed the fourth fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks last year. Let's take a look at the teams Jones did well against last year, shall we? The four games he tailed, 28 plus fantasy points were against the Washington football team, which was 24th. The Tampa Bay Bucks, who were 23rd. The Jets, who were 16th. And the Lions, who were 28th. Outside of those four explosion games, Jones was a train wreck, finishing with 14.7 or fewer fantasy points in the eight other games he started. There will be times to use Jones in fantasy, but I don't think this is one. He is a middling quarterback two at best against this top five defense. And the last one is Sam Darnold of the New York Jets. He posted 18 plus fantasy points on eight separate occasions. None of them have come against top-tier defenses. Four of those games came in 2019, which were against the Raiders, 7th most points to the quarterbacks, Washington, who was ninth most, the Giants, 3rd most, and the Cowboys, who were 20th most. The Bills allowed the 3rd fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks last year. In fact, there wasn't a single quarterback who finished better than quarterback 10 against them. When you also factor in that Darnold will have two new starting wide receivers with no game experience together, he's an easy fade in week one for me. All right, running backs to start for me. Kenyon Drake out of Arizona. He shed the walking boot. He's good. From the time Drake joined the Cardinals last year, he was the number four running back in fantasy football. One thing from from that stretch that is unsustainable is his touchdown production, as he scored eight rushing touchdowns on just 123 carries. He still averaged 101.8 total yards per game, but there were three games where he totaled less than 70 total yards. It was a mixed bag against the 49ers defense, as he absolutely demolished them in their first game, racking up 162 total yards and a touchdown. That was one of just two games where the 49ers allowed a running back to crack the 20-point barrier in PPR formats. The other was Christian McCaffrey. The 49ers did trade away DeForest Buckner, who was a big reason for their success up the middle of the field. They drafted his replacement in Javon Kinlaw, but he's a rookie with no experience. Drake should still net 15-plus touches in this game and be treated as a decent running back too. My next running back is Mark Ingram of the Baltimore Ravens. So the Browns allowed a robust 4.96 yards per carry last year and are extremely light on talent at the linebacker position. They lost last year's fourth round pick, Mack Wilson, a linebacker, as well as second round pick, Grant Delpit, who's a safety, during training camp. Um, This is a new Defensive scheme, but it's hard to see them turning things around right away, especially given the injuries they're dealing with. Ingram should resume his 12 to 16 touch roll to start the season, knowing the Browns allowed the fifth most fantasy points per opportunity last year. 
you can start him as a stable running back two this week. And my last running back to start is James Conner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm sure Conner will be happy to have Roethlisberger back under center, as it surely forces defenses to be honest. The Giants' defense was horrendous last year, but their run defense was better than the pass. In a new defense under Joe Judge, their new head coach, we can't automatically assume that all remains status quo, especially considering how bad their secondary was last year. It's a near certainty that Connor touches the ball 18-plus times in a game they've that they're favored in, automatically bumping him into running back two territory. Knowing the Steelers will likely take it slow on Big Ben's return, we should see them lean on Connor even more than normal. He's a safe, low-end running back one with high-end running back two this week with multiple touchdown potential. All right, running backs to sit, Le'Veon Bell of the New York Jets. When the Jets drafted LeMichael P. Ryan, it made sense. They didn't have much running back depth, and it's likely this is the last year Bell is on the roster. Then they signed Frank Gore. That move still kind of makes no sense to me. It makes a difference for fantasy, too. Most fantasy enthusiasts admit Gore will touch the ball five to eight times per game, which won't affect Bell all that much, but I disagree. Over the last two years, Adam Gase's running backs have totaled 827 touches over 32 games, which amounts to 25.8 touches per game. With Gore taking those measly 5-8 to eight touches, we're suddenly just down to 17-20 to 20 touches for Bell. And don't pretend there isn't a few touches here and there for someone like Perrion. When your offense isn't efficient with the running back position, which they've scored 10 rushing touchdowns over the last 32 games under Gase, not good, that is an issue. So on the rare occurrence that Bell gets a goal line carry, just five inside the five-yard line last year, he might score against the Bills. I can't say Bell 100% gets to 16-plus touches, and because of that, he's just a low-end running back, too, who needs to find the end zone. So I'm fading on Bell. If you have to start him, go ahead. Other than that, I'm off of Bell this week. My next running back to sit or hold your expectations on is Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams have been giving both Akers and Malcolm Brown reps with the first team offense, so it's unclear which running back will actually start. Sean McVay has talked about using a backfield similar to Kyle Shanahan with a timeshare approach. That's not great against a defense that allowed just two 100-yard rushers last year. The Rams completely abandoned the run in their game against the Cowboys last year as Todd Gurley rushed for just 20 yards on 11 carries. He did score two touchdowns in that game, but it was far from success as a team. Knowing the Rams have drafted both Henderson and Akers with Brown already on the team indicates that they don't want Brown shouldering the load. So I'm giving the best odds to Akers, uh, though it may be a close touch count. And Akers should be considered a risk-reward running back three, while Brown is a low upside running back four or five you know, type of option. Henderson, he did practice in full on Wednesday, and McVay said he'll he's optimistic that he'll be out there on Sunday. But this just clouds the outlook for everyone involved. And my last running back to sit is Leonard Fournette of the Tampa Bay Bucks. So the Saints just allowed 3.65 yards per attempt in 2019, and it forced teams to get away from 
even trying. They faced just 285 carries all of last season, which amounts to just 17.8 carries a game, the lowest in the league. When you see that number with a time-shared backfield, it makes you cringe. In the first meeting between the, these two teams last year, the Bucks rushed 18 times for 63 yards and a touchdown. The second meeting led to just six carries for 13 scoreless yards. I don't know how that is possible, but it is. Teams struggle to run the ball against the Saints defense that only improved this offseason. Bruce Arians has said that Jones is the guy at running back and that he'll have the job unless he screws it up. So against the Saints, not many will succeed as no running back topped 83 rushing yards against them last year. I am staying away from all Tampa Bay running backs this week. All right, wide receivers to start. We're going to go with Deshaun Jackson out of Philadelphia. You remember that one full game Jackson played with Carson Wentz? You know the one where he caught eight of nine targets for 154 yards and two touchdowns? That was against Washington in week one last year. Are we going to get a repeat performance? Probably not. Washington has moved on from the, the rapidly declining Josh Norman, though they brought in a similarly declining cornerback in Ronald Darby to replace him. So if Jackson's healthy, which he is right now, he's someone to consider as a wide receiver three in your lineup because he's offered wide receiver three or better numbers 50% of the time over the last three years. In what I consider to be a plus matchup, I'd say the odds are greater than 50% for this week. My next receiver to start is DK Metcalf out of Seattle. We watched Metcalf's progress as the season went on in 2019, climaxing with a rookie record 160 yards in a playoff game. This offseason, Metcalf and Russell Wilson worked out together at Wilson's private field and reportedly developed a brotherly bond. Now they'll get to start the season against the Falcons secondary. They replaced Desmond Trufant with a rookie, A.J. Terrell, in the first round of the NFL draft. So when you add in a rookie cornerback who's taking in his first NFL game action, it could be a playground for Metcalf and Wilson. We should be able to rely on semi-consistent wide receiver two numbers with weak winning upside. This matchup is a great one, and playing in a dome should only accentuate Metcalf's speed. And my last receiver that I like is T.Y. Hilton out of Indianapolis. After missing the start of training camp with a hamstring injury, Hilton came back and reportedly became Phillip Rivers' favorite target. The Jags used to be a team to fear for wide receivers, as Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye were potentially the best duo in the league. But those days are gone. Frank Reich and Rivers can pick-slash-choose their matchup for Hilton. He's the one sturdy presence in the passing game. It should see six-plus targets here. Though you have to wonder how much the Colts need to really drop back and pass while they're heavily favored, if Hilton is healthy, which he is, you want to start him as a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. Wide receivers to sit. Guys, I'm not fond of. Find other options. The first one is Devontae Parker out of Miami. There were a lot of factors that led to Parker getting 128 targets last year, but maybe none more obvious than Preston Williams getting hurt and missing the second half of the season. There were just three games where Parker didn't total at least 55 yards last year, and one of them was against the Patriots. In fact, 
he totaled exactly zero yards on seven targets in their first matchup. He got payback in week 17, though, racking up eight catches for 137 yards. I had to double-check that Stephon Gilmore made sure that he played in that game, which he actually did, and he allowed almost all of that in his coverage. That was the only game all year where Gilmore allowed more than five catches or 86 yards in his coverage. My bet would be that Gilmore shadows Parker again in this game and that Parker comes back down to earth. Gilmore has allowed a 56% or less completion rate in his coverage in five of eight NFL seasons, including just a 46.6% catch rate over the last two seasons. Parker should be considered a risky wide receiver three slash four this week. It surely doesn't help that he's missed a bunch of practice throughout this last week as well. My next receiver, I'm going to fade. If you have to start him, I would. I don't like it. I would try to find another option, but it's Amari Cooper out of the Dallas Cowboys. So the Cowboys have allowed Cooper to take some practices off leading up to the season, which has caused panic among fantasy land. Mike McCarthy said they're simply trying to lessen his reps as a veteran. Though it's a bit worrisome considering Cooper's injury history, another thing that's worrisome about this week is a potential shadow date with Jalen Ramsey. These two met last year where Cooper saw just two targets, catching one for 19 yards. Both targets were the first were in the first 10 minutes of the game, and that was it. He may have been masking an injury throughout that game, um, as he took a big hit from Ramsey on his lone reception. You know, Cooper is talented enough to get open against any quarterback, but with all the options the Cowboys offense has, there's no need to force it. When you combine the potential shadow situation with his undisclosed injury, Cooper has the looks of a boom-bust wide receiver 2-3 type option this week. And my last receiver I am fading on is Odell Beckham of the Cleveland Browns. So after playing through a groin injury last year and in Freddie Kitchen's offense, many are worried about Beckham in fantasy. Guys, he's posted at least 1,035 yards in five of six seasons despite playing 16 games just twice. However, this week does present some real concern. Is it the Browns' first game under the expected run-heavy approach of Kevin Stefanski, and the Ravens just happen to have one of the best cornerback units in all of football. Despite them facing the third most targets to wide receivers, they allowed the 14th fewest points to them. It's not to say that they can't be beat. They can. It's just understanding expectations. There were just three receivers who finished top 12 against them last year. And all of them were slot-heavy receivers. That was Jamison Crowder, Jarvis Landry, and Mohamed Sanu. There were another nine wide receivers who finished in the wide receiver two range. And though many of them were also slot options. There were some perimeter receivers, but not many. This is not a week to get excited about Beckham in such a tough matchup. But know that there will be better days. He should still be locked in to like six plus targets and consider him a low end wide receiver too. Just not this high end receiver wide receiver one that most would expect the name of Odell Beckham to be. So I am fading on him. 
All right, tight ends to start. Guys, I like this week. To start off is Hunter Henry of the Los Angeles Chargers. I was down on Henry for most of this offseason, but given the injury to Mike Williams, I can see him living up to his draft cost to start this year. There were six tight ends who saw more than three targets against the Bengals last year, and five of them finished as top 10 tight ends that week. Henry should get six-plus targets with their lack of pass catchers available, so start Henry as a solid tight end one this week who, in a plus matchup, with a higher target share. My next guy is Tyler Higby of the Los Angeles Rams. Remember when Higby posted 84-plus yards in five straight games to close out the season? He was the first tight end to ever do that. We can't automatically assume that's how things will be going forward considering Everett was hurt during that time and Brandon Cooks was non-existent, but it's hard to remove someone from the game plan when he produces like that. The Cowboys were absolutely crushed by Higby last year as he caught 12 of 14 targets for 111 yards in their Week 15 meeting. There were three tight ends who totaled at least 91 yards against the Cowboys last year. Higby's the same player this week as the one you drafted, which is a mid-to-low-end tight end one with risk built in. And my last tight end I like this week is Noah Fant out of Denver. So for those counting at home, Fant averaged just 2.8 targets per game with Locke under center after averaging 4.7 targets per game with Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen. There is a new offensive installed, but there are also a bunch of other weapons that have been added. Highlight the concerns about his volume. Um, The matchup this week is a great one, though, as the Titans allowed the six most fantasy points to tight ends last year. There were 12 different tight ends who finished as top 15 options against them, meaning three quarters of the time they allowed a streaming worthy performance. We should expect him to take a step forward this year. There are still a lot of unknowns, but Fant should be considered a high end tight end too for this plus matchup. All right, tight ends that I am sitting and fading on to start off is Austin Hoopender out of the Cleveland Browns. I do expect him to be the lead tight end, not David Njoku. And against the Ravens, I don't know if you necessarily want to start him and and find out. Uh, They allowed just two tight ends to top 10 PPR points against them last year. Hooper caught just two passes that traveled over 20 yards in the air last year, which ranked 15th among tight ends. I wouldn't feel comfortable playing Hooper as a tight end one, especially given the matchup. Though the loss of Earl Thomas does help the matchup, he should still be considered a tight end two who's not even guaranteed more than five targets. And the other guy I'm going to fade is Jonu Smith out of Tennessee. The Broncos faced the seventh most targets to tight ends last year, but allowed the 21st most fantasy points. That highlights the efficiency that they had. That's a problem for someone like Smith, who hasn't seen much volume in this offense. Despite Delaney Walker missing over half the season last year, Smith saw more than five targets just twice. He was highly efficient with those targets, averaging 10 yards per target. The Titans also ranked in the bottom 12 for total plays per game. And it's why you're seeing that the game total as low as it is, because of the projected low scoring slash low volume affair between these two, I prefer to hold off on Smith as a streamer. So I have him as a tight end too this week. 
And my last tight end that I'm fading is Dawson Knox out of Buffalo. It seems like Knox was on his way to fantasy relevance as 2019 went on, though the signing of Stefan Diggs certainly removed a lot of that appeal. There were just three games Knox totaled more than four targets last year without Diggs on the roster. That's not great for his projections moving forward, and neither is the matchup with the Jets, who completely shut down tight ends last year. They allowed just 1.5 PPR points per target, which ranked as the second lowest number behind only the Vikings. Still, there aren't enough targets to go around to start Knox with any confidence. Let's move on to starts of the week. Alright, so kicking it off is quarterback Josh Allen out of Buffalo. He's got himself a new stud wide receiver in Stephon Diggs, as well another stable option at running back with rookie Zach Moss. We know regression will hit him on the ground, as he scored 9 rushing touchdowns while rushing for 510 yards. By comparison, Lamar Jackson scored 7 rushing touchdowns while rushing for 1,206 yards. At the same time, we have room for growth with Allen through the air. As he struggled to complete the deep ball last year, the Jets, they weren't a team that allowed many deep passes to be completed. But they've also lost two centerpieces of their defense, as safety Jamal Adams is now with the Seahawks, and linebacker C.J. Mosley, he opted out. Their cornerback unit is one of the worst in football, too. Knowing there were just two games Allen totaled less than 15.96 fantasy points last year, there should be no concern starting him here as a high-floor option, especially when you know he averaged 6.7 more fantasy points when the Bills won last year. In my next starting quarterback of the week is Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons. There used to be a time where the Seahawks defense would make you back away and think twice about starting a quarterback. Not anymore. There were 10 quarterbacks who finished as top 18 options against the Seahawks last year, and with at least 16.1 fantasy points. Ryan missed the game against the Seahawks last year, but Matt Schaub, he stepped in and threw for 460 yards and one touchdown finishing as the quarterback nine that week. It's worth noting that no quarterback finished with more than 24.7 fantasy points against the Seahawks last year, which is likely due to the fact that none of them threw for more than two touchdowns. That is a fickle stat that can kind of vary, though it's noteworthy that this defense did tighten up down in the red zone. They did, however, allow five different running backs to score multiple rushing touchdowns. So maybe that kind of evens it out this year. In what I'm projecting to be a high-scoring affair, Matt Ryan should be a safe, high-floor quarterback one. All right, my running back starts of the week. We're going with my guy, Josh Jacobs, the Raiders. So the Panthers were the team you wanted to play your running backs against last year. They allowed a massive 5.32 yards per carry and allowed a touchdown every 14 carries. We can talk all day about how Jacobs doesn't catch as many passes as he should, but in this game, it's not going to matter. The Panthers allowed 363.1 fantasy points on the ground alone last year. No other team was above 297.8 points. The Panthers allowed 18% more fantasy points on the ground than any team in the league. Think about that for a minute. Now, to be fair, they did hire a new defensive coordinator, 
but this team is clearly lacking talent to be an elite run-stopping unit. They also lost a lot of talent that they had. It led to them drafting an all-defensive draft. Seriously, they didn't draft a single offensive player. That's a lot of young players in a starting lineup. So trust Jacobs as an RB1 this week and expect big results. My next starting running back I love this week is Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers. So the Vikings allowed just the 12th fewest points to running backs last year. But not because they weren't dominant or anything. The 4.39 yards per carry they allowed was the 11th most in football. Aaron Jones tagged this unit for 270 yards and three touchdowns on the ground alone last year in the two games they played. He did total 46 carry between the two games, a number he's unlikely to get with A.J. Dillon on the roster, but it's clear his coach's schemes work against a then-more-talented Vikings unit, so playing him as a borderline running back one this week, it makes sense. All right, my starts, uh, my wideout starts of the week. Wide receiver, Tyler Lockett out of Seattle. The Falcons looked to be a pretty average team against wide receivers last year, allowing the 16th most fantasy points to them. But looking a bit closer, they were very bad. They allowed 67.5% completion rate, which was fifth highest, 9.52 yards per target, which was second highest, and a touchdown every 17.3 targets, which was eighth most often. All that was to the wideouts. What does all that really add up to? 1.97 PPR points per target, which ranked as the third highest mark in the league. Not an average secondary now, eh? Lockett caught all six of his targets for 100 yards in their meeting with each other last year. Considering they lost longtime starter Desmond Trufant, it's hard to say they're going to get better. Start Lockett as a rock-solid wide receiver, too who comes with plenty upside in this matchup. And my next wideout is DJ Chark out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We've been hearing the Chark hype train started since Jay Gruden became the coordinator and said he'd be moving Chark around the formation a lot more. Fast forward to camp and everyone, I mean everyone, has been saying Chark's dominating camp. Now to be fair, the Jags defense isn't a hard one to dice up. But neither is the Colts. In fact, Chark had his second biggest game of the year against them, totaling eight receptions for 104 yards and two touchdowns in their Week 11 meeting. On top of that, the Colts lost their top cornerback. They'll be hoping sophomore cornerback Rakyasin takes the next step forward after allowing nearly 10.0 yards per target last year. They signed Xavier Rhodes, who's likely to start but he was among the worst cornerbacks in football last year with the Vikings. Start Chark as a borderline wide receiver one this week, who should see eight-plus targets against a team that allowed the third-most fantasy points per target to wide receivers last year. All right, my tight end start of the week is Darren Waller out of the Raiders. There are a lot of questions surrounding the wide receivers and running backs in the Raiders' offense and how they'll be deployed but Waller is the lone consistent. The Panthers allowed 8.99 yards per target, which was the second highest number in the league behind only the Cardinals. Waller had just two games last year with fewer than five targets, including 10 games with seven or more targets. The yardage should be there, and given a new defensive scheme 
with more than a handful of new starters, Waller should offer a very solid tight end one in this game. And my last tight end start of the week is Blake Jarwin of the Dallas Cowboys. If you've been paying attention to the reports out of camp, Jarwin has been phenomenal. And he is expected to be a weapon over the middle of the field. Dak Prescott said in an interview the other day that Jarwin is just as explosive as the wide receivers. Considering he's turned 77 targets into 58 receptions for 672 yards and 6 touchdowns. You may want to pay attention. To give you an idea of how good that is, 77 targets would have ranked 12th among tight ends last year. His 58 receptions, 672 yards, and 6 touchdowns, his, that line would have had him as the number 8 tight end. So his efficiency is top notch. The Rams also happened to allow 8.5 yards per target to tight ends last year, which ranked as the third highest mark in the league. Half of the tight ends they played last year finished as top 10 options, including Jason Witten, who caught 4 of 5 targets for 36 yards and a touchdown. Considering how many plays we're expecting in this game, there should be plenty of targets to go around. And the Rams have one of the weakest linebackers slash safety units in the league. Jarwin should be considered a low-end tight end one with the upside for this contest. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. It went a little longer than I expected, but that's good. (laughs) That's fine. Next show we have is Week 2 Waiver Wire Ads. I want to say thank you for listening to the show. Make sure to subscribe, whatever platform you're on. Please leave a rating and review. Also, don't forget to enter to, to win a signed Kenny Galladay jersey at fantasyknockout.com. Hashtag knockout giveaway. Good luck this week in your matchups. All right. Till next time. See ya. See ya.